The first reading is from Deuteronomy, the, th the 30th chapter. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I'm, I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your, to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. <clears throat> now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. So we get together for rally day, rally ourselves from our wonderful summer that we've had, and Jesus comes in our midst and says that we should hate our family? Did you catch that? Unless you hate, and on we go. Wow, what a great text for rally day. And as you probably remember, the Revised Common Lectionary that we follow probably doesn't really take into account Rally Day, so just know I didn't choose this reading for this Sunday. Nonetheless, maybe it's just what we need. Don't we need an attention-getter sometimes? I mean, my family knows that when I'm serious, I get the crabtree look, they call it, you know. Or I can remember, since we're now into football season and high school football's up and going, we got the Seahawks game today, that we used to call it when the coach would get in your grill. You know, he'd grab your face mask. Of course, never pull it or anything. But he'd grab your face mask and get right in your helmet, right in your face, to let you know where you're to be and what you're to do. This was serious. Maybe Jesus is getting in our grill today. Letting us know a lot is riding on this. Now, you have to remember that um, we've been listening to Jesus' travel narrative. This in Luke, Jesus travels to Jerusalem. So all summer, we've been hearing things that he's said and things that he's done on his way to Jerusalem. And just before this, he's told this wonderful story about a wedding banquet that many people wouldn't want to come to or didn't want to come to. They were invited. They didn't come. And then the highways and byways, everybody got to be invited to be a part of this wedding banquet, this kingdom. And so there are great crowds following Jesus. He's healed people, he's done miracles, and people are excited. They probably are gathering around Jesus to wonder, what could this guy do for me? And Jesus turns to them and says, unless you hate your life, you cannot be my disciple. Wow, maybe Jesus is really trying to make us think twice about this following thing. 
what it is to follow Jesus. And of course, he's using hyperbole here. He's exaggerating to make a point. But certainly, he's saying how serious and how um, that following Jesus entails a death, a death to the old self, a surrender of our lives to Jesus, to following him. You know, it's interesting, the Barna Group, which is a research group that um, works with lots of different churches in the United States, and they've done tons of research on, on our culture and what's happening within the church and within Christianity. And they have shown, interestingly, something that we've heard from other researchers, that the N-O-N-E's, the nuns, are increasing while those who are claimed to be Christian is decreasing. Probably not news to you. But what's interesting is what they did, they tried to dig down and get underneath these statistics, and what they're finding is that the people who used to claim Christianity, who are becoming nuns, are not the core of the church, not the people who are very active and they have different criteria, active, participating, engaged in the church. These are people who are on the periphery, the crowds, if you will, who are tending to to say, I'm not Christian, I'm a nun, which is interesting. So maybe Jesus is looking at the crowds. Maybe he's also looking at his close followers, wherever we're at in our journey. And he's saying, are you all in? I mean, if our coaches can say that to us, our soccer coaches, our baseball coaches, our swim coaches, our band directors, and our play directors, and a lot of our organization leaders that we are affiliated with, if they can say, you've got to be all in, then maybe Jesus can too. Maybe Jesus can too. And he stands with Moses. You heard that first reading? That's from Deuteronomy, the second telling of the law. Moses, it's a long 34-chapter sermon. Okay, anyway, don't worry. So, so there's a long, it's a long sermon, but he tells the people um, this story, this sermon, as they're going to enter the promised land. He basically says, choose life this day, or choose death. Follow the Lord. Have no other gods before him, and you'll have life. If you don't, you'll have death. Jesus seems to stand right with Moses and call us to this, um, this absolute commitment to our faith. And to God, that nothing will take a, um, that Jesus will take no second seat to anything in our lives. Maybe we need to have Jesus get in our grill sometimes and say, you know what? This following of me, it's a life or death thing. It's that important. People's lives are at stake, Um, the, the compassion and care of the world is at stake. And whether or not you follow him. So, so maybe we should let that um, urgency infect our worship life. Shake us up from our beautiful, wonderful summer. Pull us back into a greater commitment. And when we think about our relationships, our husbands and wives and our children and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles and our neighborhood, that we would let some of that urgency infect and get into those relationships to know that what, how I live and work and behave and what I say matters. I mean, this is, this is of vital importance. Do you believe that when it comes to your worship life? That, wow, being here is so important. Being a part of the body of Christ is so important. Um, my my uh, 
My small groups are important. My community is important. How I serve in the community and love my neighbor is important. I mean, it matters. So maybe we need to let Jesus get into our grill a little bit today. Because I don't know about you, but I need it sometimes. But the great thing about my coaches, and I was fortunate in high school football, is that I knew that when they did that, they weren't mad at me like they didn't like me or they hated me or they were upset at me. They wanted me to do better and the team to do better. And that made all the difference. But I have a question for you. Is there any difference between Moses and Jesus? Is Jesus simply another Moses, somebody that comes and says, here's the list, here's the stuff, don't have any other gods, get out there and go for it. Is there any difference? I, I, I need to know this because I know the story of the Bible. <laughs> How did it work for the people who went into the land? Did they listen to Moses? No. And they chose death. How's it working for you? Sometimes we need to be shaken out of our doldrums, but sometimes we're out there working so hard and hard and hard, and it's never hard enough. Is there any difference between Moses and Jesus? Let's look more closely to what Jesus says today. The first difference I notice um, is that Moses is saying, you shall have no other gods before God. And so he's God's emissary. He's God's prophet. And he's talking about God. Don't put anything before Almighty God. What does Jesus do? He says, unless you hate this, your life, unless um, you take up your cross, and unless you renounce all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus isn't talking about God, idolatry when it comes to God. He's talking about idolatry when it comes to whether or not you're going to follow him. What is he saying? Did you catch it or did it slip by you? He seems to be putting himself in the place of God. But now, not following after other gods means following him. Wow, it's a pretty awesome Christological statement. But let's also not forget where Jesus is headed. He's on that travel narrative. He's on that trip to Jerusalem. Do you remember what he did in Jerusalem? Let's look at the specifics of the two stories that Jesus tells. He says, after all, what person doesn't count the cost if they're going to build a great tower and they, you know, that all they have is enough to build the foundation and they don't have enough to finish? Who's going to start on that journey? Who's going to do that? that? That'd be foolish. Count the cost. And then he tells a story about, um, you know, a king going to war and, you know, the king, if he has any brains at all, is going to see what how strong the enemy is. And he looks at the enemy and he goes, wow, the enemy has 20,000 troops and I only have 10,000. What do you think that that king should do? Should he just go into battle and be utterly destroyed? Or no, he should send for what? Terms of peace. I wonder if something more is going on here with Jesus' statement today. Because I don't know about you. Maybe you can hear Jesus' call to take up your cross and his call to not let anything come before your devotion to him. Maybe you hear that and go, yes, let's do it. And, and we should try. We should go for it. 
But I don't know about you, but for me, when I hear Moses' call and I hear Jesus' call, I go, whoa, I'm not sure I can be a disciple. Maybe I'm the only one here who is thinking that. Actually, when I listen to what Jesus has to say, I want to send for terms for peace. I look at I don't think I can build this tower. I don't think I've got it in me. And it's interesting. What does Jesus say? Unless you renounce all that you have. Now, it's interesting. Some translations put possessions here in here, and that's what we automatically think of. But it doesn't say that in the Greek. It says all that you have. It's just the way your translation has. In other words, unless you give up on all of your abilities, all of your strength, your family heritage, that you've come from the right kind of background or something, um, that in your status and your possessions and your abilities and your resources to muster up to build the tower or go into war and win the war, unless you give that all of uh, all up, you cannot be. Jesus' disciples. I wonder if Jesus isn't trying to kick out from under us the thought that we can do this. Making it so amazingly important but also difficult that we have no other choice but to say, I can't. I can't do it, Jesus. I can't follow you. Jesus looks at us (laughs) and he says, I know. Don't forget where I'm going. I'm going to Jerusalem for you. And I'm going to take up that cross for you. And I will not be in that tomb three days later. And I will take you unto myself and I'll give you my very self in the Holy Spirit. And I will enable you to follow and put following Jesus before anything and everything else. got to explain this little analogy here a little bit, but you know what it's like since we're talking football? It's like the trap play in football. Now, just we got to do this real quick here. So let's pretend I'm the center, and then we got two guards next to a guard here, and then a guard on the other side of the center, okay? So a trap play is when this guard is right here, and the center and the other guard and the other, they all sweep down and they block everybody this way. And they leave the one defender right here. And usually the running back gets the ball somewhere right about here. Right in front of this big, huge defender. And I used to love the trap play, but it scared the dickens out of me. So I get the ball. And, I'm, and you're supposed to run right at this big defender. Just, he's just right there. But this guard over here sneaks over. And Boom. And you run right up the tail. That's a trap play. I think what Jesus is saying, that when it comes to our salvation and our life, we're like that running back looking at that big defender. And we need Jesus to come through and plow him out of the way. That's what he's saying. Don't depend on your own strength. Don't depend on your own ability. You can't do it. But boy, since you can't do it and Jesus calls you and he's taken you to himself... Boy, now you can do it. Let Jesus' words, let him get into our grill and let him get us going because we got a lot of people to connect to Christ and a lot of loving of Kitsap to do. Thanks be to God. Amen.